Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! (laughs) Hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. (laughs) Clearly. Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm -hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, Dwayne England, and yes, Tommy Donlan. We are back here in studio. Hey, buddy. We were uh, a little busy last week, didn't make it into studio, didn't have a live show from here, but we are at a... Phenomenal event, nonetheless. Yes, we were the Ducks Unlimited Banquet. <clears throat> Boy, that thing, uh, they do an amazing job. If you tuned in and, you know, saw we had a little, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes we jumped on and mm-hmm. just kind of perused it there, let folks know what we were up to. But uh, since then, both of us have been out on the water chasing uh, different species, different locations. Right. Yeah. And, a little uh, bit of tuna, a little bit of the king salmon. The, the tuna yeah. that you guys put on the floor, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but holy smokes, huh? Oh, yeah. That's how it should be. Those are <laughs> those are the be. days of yesteryear, so yeah, looking absolutely. forward to that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Had some good salmon opportunities. Some things mm-hmm. are changing, obviously. Very fluid in our fisheries management as of late to include uh, a lot of our Chinook and Coho fisheries to be exact, and some steelhead mm-hmm. as well. So lots to get into tonight. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, uh, if you're joining us for the first time, sit back and enjoy, learn something, and be entertained. Uh, if you're going to tune in here on Root Sports, uh, welcome. Welcome to the show. And uh, we have a lot of content to get through. Before we get too far along, Tommy, I'd like to always remind folks, hey, jump on over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. And right there in front, you're going to see a nice coupon, FHM20. That is your ticket for success. All edge rods, 20% off all the time through Fish Hunt Northwest. Simply click on the rod of choice, add the coupon code at checkout. If the rod is not already under some other type of reduced pricing or coupon special, you're going to get 20% off all your rod purchases at Edge Rod all the time. Happy to have them on board. Man, they are fantastic rods. Oh, amen. We are doing well with those. So, uh, yeah, lots, uh, lots going on, Tommy. Lots of changes the last couple days. Uh, you know, fishing's on again, off again, right. on again. Yeah, seasons are on again, off again, it's on again. It's all over the place. Yeah. We're going to try yeah. to get through a lot of it this evening and give you the rundown on, you know, where you can fish and when, and hopefully some things will come back on. And we got a lot of ground to cover here. We're not going to lie. This has uh, been a little bit, uh, the last 48 hours, I've just been juggling. Very dynamic. Yeah, which, what are we going to put on the show? Because there's too many changes going about. But, uh, yeah, lots to cover. And uh, been dragging that, that Mustang around the... The state here, just everywhere I land, man, getting on the water of that boat. People are coming up talking to me about that boat. They that thing grabs attention. It does. It must have something to do with the graphics. And, uh, you, you know, know I profile. think it's more so the boat. People look yeah. at that boat and they're like, "What kind of boat is that?" Yeah, like it says, "Allied man." You need to check it out. Twenty-one foot Mustang towed everywhere. Right. Fisheries, right. fisheries. It's been right. phenomenal. Uh, every time I get on the water with that thing, I just smile. It has just been a pleasure to fish that boat. So. If you don't know what I'm talking about, get on Allied, check it out, 21-foot hardtop, Mustang. Uh, running down the show tonight, Tommy, lots to get to. As I had mentioned, uh, we have uh, Over the Rail, Buoy 10 Recap, now moving upriver, full report and closures. Didn't see that coming. Um, then, Tommy, you are back in the bait lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some live bait action for tuna. Coming live bait tuna, baby. Yep, that's going to be great. Openings and closings, retention opportunities, man. It's ever-changing and fluid. We're going to try to keep you up to date on all that is. Uh, we have Coho and more Coho. Our buddy Carl Bushelman jumping on the second half of the show. Willamette Valley Outfitters. Fisheries to look forward to. little changing in his uh, regimen as well as uh, closures on this Columbia, as in, in fact going in uh, place this evening. 
get a change where some of our guys will be fishing, including us. Um, also, Tommy, additional fisheries to look forward to. You and I are going to have a discussion on a handful of different fisheries. And we're mm -hmm. talking Willapaw, Chinook and Coho opportunities. We still have some great steelhead opportunities. Tuna, of course, is still happening. Yeah. And with weather windows looking like they are, we got some great options to get out there on the water, even though we have these closures going on. And, of course, we'll close out the show. We have a few uh, points of reference. You know, we have some opportunity coming up, putting together some uh, goose and duck hunts with our buddy Shelby Ross, Ross Outdoors. We pinned him down last week at the Ducks uh, Unlimited Banquet. And uh, we're going to get some hard dates uh, on the calendar coming up quickly so we can invite you all to join us. And we might even start talking maybe a little pheasant outing. What do you think? Oh, I like the sound of that. And and just so everyone knows, there will be no tuna closings. Okay. The tuna <laughs> no. is open. It will be open. Yeah. It's good. And it's going to be good. There will be no tuna closings. That is for certain. So, all right. Before we uh, stumble along too far along here, we're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. Going to kind of recap some of the events on the Columbia as of late, buoy 10. And then as we moved up river the last couple of days, and ultimately now we're looking at a wah, wah, closure, Tommy. Uh, going into effect tonight, mm -hmm. what does that mean? What's it look like? All that and more when we come back after this break right here at Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. Welcome back here in studio to Winning with Tommy Donlin, Fish Show Northwest. Uh, thanks for joining us. You know, Tommy, I spent the last couple of weeks kind of traveling around, dragging the boat to various locations. Two weeks ago down at Buoy 10. Right. Uh, given that a go, you know, fishing can be red hot or you may have to work a little bit for it. And um, the first couple of days, I was a little bit uh, taken aback. Like, why am I grinding so hard and not getting the results I want, knowing what I've done down there in the past? Well, it's got to be frustrating, too, because you know how many fish are in the ocean. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. just tons of fish. And you look around, you're at the right place at the right time with the tide that it presents you to. And just, you know, you have a plan and you go to work and you're putting in, you know, gear that you have confidence in. Your line angles are good, your thumb's good, everything looks good, people around you are catching fish, and you're getting bit, but I'm not getting bit as often as I want to. So day yeah. three, I made some changes. I was utilizing, which I had confidence in, man, very well designed, very well rigged, commercial uh, produced uh, droppers and bumpers. Mm -hmm. And I thought these are gonna be great. No, you know, Less tangles, very good uh, ball bearings, lots of things working in my favor. Um, I just think they're too loud. I think there's too yeah. much presence there. Too much flash, too, too much, much color, flash, yeah. Too much color, and I, I took them off, I put on my own stuff. Day three, the shortest day we had to fish because we had to check out of our room, um, more, more than doubled the encounters or takedowns with fish in half the time. Hmm. And I'm just like, okay, so now is that enough to go on? Well, it's kind of enough to make an initial decision. If I was going to be back down there for a few more days, right. I knew what I was doing. And that's the only thing you changed. You didn't it's change the, only thing I changed. the flasher, uh, the wave lure. presentation, fishing the all tide, the same. doing the same thing, fishing areas that we'd fished before, yeah. and it all came together. So sometimes it's subtle changes, recognizing things aren't working, and uh, willingness to not just be complacent, right? Mm -hmm. Just change it out. So then moved up river here the last couple of days. I've uh, been wanting to fish upper, these upper stretches of the Columbia as them fish move up. Last year, uh, my boat wasn't ready to go, so I had to sit on the sideline. But this year, I was like, I made it a point, going to run down there. We're talking that Kelso, Longview, Kalama area, all of that, yeah. um, you know, opportunity. And, uh, you know, it paid off. Tied up some, uh, tied up some homemade spinners, uh, had ordered some blades, just put some color combinations together that I thought would work. Yeah. Turbidity in the water, and uh, it's a combination of UVs and glows and certain spinner blades that I know produce. And doggone it, you know, Monday took off pretty good. Tuesday, yesterday, I mean, a lot of guys were uh, were working hard to get some takedowns. 
we encountered 10 fish, got some really nice, I think our biggest mm -hmm. one, that fish is 25 to 27. It was a brute. Yeah, it was. I, you know, I'm really surprised because those lures to me, they look small yeah. for Chinook salmon, mm -hmm. you know, but, but yet even with the watercolor that you have, Sometimes that's what they were keying in on. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just, uh, Herzog always likes to say, Hey, they aren't talking, but if they're snapping, you just keep going with it. Right. right. So a little bit of uh, tuna fire gel on there, a little bit of anise and, um, Lo and behold, them things were getting ripped, and uh, we did good for a couple days. And then, of course, now we're moving towards not the opportunity that we thought we had coming here. Uh, right. We were talking potentially, you know, three coho down at Bowie 10. Right. Closing to Chinook, but but coho opportunity. Right, and we had that selective fishery through August yep. 24th. Yes. And then come the 25th, it was yep. non-selective, right? So you could keep non-clip fish. Yep. And that lasted a handful of days until six the days. 31st. Six days. And when that sixth day was up, we were 230% uh, of the quota. So we're it talking was game about, over. yeah, uh, going into season setting this year, it was pretty dicey. They knew the wild component of the Thule's was going to be questionable. So mm -hmm. they made it a hatchery, you know, selective hatchery. Uh, Chinook fishery only opportunity down buoy mm -hmm. 10 uh, to the 24th. 25th, it went to wild retention. You're telling me in six days we had 230% right. of the quota. Right. Really put a dent in. So we completely wiped out our opportunity because when you got nothing to fish up against, you don't get to go after everything else that's there. Right. You leave it on the table. So our upriver yep. brights right now that are just, you know, teaming up the river and all these coho that are going to Right. And that's sad in. because that's the high quality fish that you want to target. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we got our hooks yeah. into yesterday and the day before, you know, threw back some tulies. Right. The tulies are still swimming. Eh? If you're in around that Lewis, Calis area and whatnot, Kalama, those are tulies that are making it back to that lower stretch. Right. Of, you know, they can still consider it a lower stretch. You're not quite mid-range on the Columbia by any means. You're still in that lower mm -hmm. lower uh, tidal influence water, actually. Right. So uh, you are fishing the tide there. You know, you don't have the tide swings like you do down at Bowie 10, but you know, we have nonetheless a good four foot tide and a right. pretty strong current. Um, I can see how this would happen though. When you, yeah. when, when Oregon allows um, a, an unlimited number of guides on the water. There is that component. And you have that saturation of boats that are running not just one, but multiple trips a day. Yeah. You know, plus the general sport fishing population. Yep. You're going to hammer those fish in a short amount of time. Yeah. That number, 230%, is uh, when you told me that, I was like, holy cow, that's the mm -hmm. impact we had. But uh, we certainly did. So effective this evening at midnight, basically, September 1st. Um, the uh, Columbia is closed to all salmon and steelhead fishing from Bonneville down to the mouth, right? right. So The whole kit and uh, caboodle. Yep, yep, yep. They're going to have meetings on September 8th to reconvene and kind of take a look at. There's some yeah. There's some uh, treaty commercial gillnet fisheries that may be conducted. There's also the commercial fleet. And then, you know, we have our recreation component as well. It's, it's just really sad because you have all those coho that are coming in. Mm -hmm. And we have a completely strong run of coho. And we were talking about doing three hatchery coho. Yeah. And now yeah. that's that's up well, in the air. And, it's yeah, and you would have liked to have seen the Chinook opportunity through Labor Day. No, for sure, know, absolutely. Yeah. So the numbers would bode well, but uh, yep, we're up against it now. Now it comes down to them having meetings, reconvening, mm -hmm. gauging the progression or degression of the run, and deciding when we get to go back in the water right. below Bonneville. So right. that's kind of where we're at. So, uh, all right, much more to look forward to. Tommy, you got a bait lab to perform. Live yes, indeedy. Bait for tuna. Stick around for that. Something you definitely want to take a look at. You're going to learn something from this man. Don't go anywhere. Jump out for a quick break. We'll be back here in the bait lab, Fish Out Northwest. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse china and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied Boats will have it for you. Contact Allied Boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. Hi, this is Joe and Megan from Archery World. Uh, we have four store locations. We are at the Lacey location right now. I uh, just want to highlight some of our camping gear. We have uh, Mystery Ranch packs. We have crispy boots. We have six-hour optics. We carry Havilon knives. We carry Garmin products as well. So it's not just archery. We want to try to make this one-stop shopping for you guys. And so if you need it and it puts you in the outdoors, we probably have it. So come down and see us.
Hey, welcome back to Fish Hunt Northwest, and guess what? We're in my favorite place, the Bait Lab. I'm Tommy Donlin, and this is brought to you by Sportco Max Lures. And you know what? We are gonna cover one of my absolute passions, which is tuna fishing, and not just tuna fishing, but live bait tuna fishing. So I wanna run through kind of the setup that I use day in and day out um, when, we when we target albacore tuna off the coast of Washington and Oregon. And it all really starts with a good rod and reel setup. Now, what you're really looking for here is a high-speed lever dragon. In this case, I've got an accurate Fury 400. Um, they're beautiful reels, um, six to one gear ratio, just absolutely smooth. And you really do, with these baits, with these anchovies, which is really, when you compare it to a sardine or even a herring or some of the other baits, it's it's a super weak bait. So you gotta have a reel that puts out a lot of free spool and these reels do that, okay? Um, the rod, this is an HLR 7630 edge rod. Um, the, the, the What you're looking for in a rod is you're really looking for a rod that has plenty of backbone so that you can lift that fish, but it has a soft tip. So if that fish turns, kicks, and takes another run, you're not yanking the hook out of their mouth. And let's face it, when you compare the mouth of an albacore to a bluefin to a yellowfin, you know, it's a, it's a lot softer than some of those other species of tuna. So you do want a soft tip in the rod. And this 7630 does exactly that. It's a seven, six foot rod. Um, seven foot six inch rod uh, rated for 30 pound. Um, now the other thing, if we go to the table here, what you're gonna notice is this reel is spooled um, absolutely to the brim, maybe within an eighth of an inch of the end of the spool with 50 pound solid core Jerry Brown Spectra. I really like blue. Um, blue blends in a lot better with the water cutter. Um, you know, just a tip, you wanna make sure that this line is spooled on tight. Otherwise, the line's gonna dig into itself when you get a fish on, okay? So all the way from the very bottom of the spool to the top, it's all spectra, all spectra. And that's what allows us to get away with these small reels. And what Accurate's done is they've been able to package a small reel, but just an absolute ton of drag, okay? The next thing you're gonna know as we go back to the table here is this absolutely slim profile knot. Uh, and that's because this is the FG knot super slim profile really strong there's two knots that you can use uh, i highly recommend one is the fg knot and the other one is the pr bobbin knot does require a bobbin to tie the pr bobbin knot will win in a strength test over the fg knot okay so this is what i'm using to go from my spectra my 50 pound solid core spectra to my 25 pound 30 pound 40 pound fluorocarbon here Okay, and really all you're looking for is you're looking about 10 to 12 feet of fluorocarbon. And you do want fluorocarbon because these tuna, I mean, you've seen their eyeballs, they're absolutely huge. They can see everything in the water column. So you need as much stealth as possible. If, um, if I can do, I, you know, my standard's 25, okay, 25 pound. Um, if they're on the chew pretty good, you can bump it up to 30 or maybe even 40, but sometimes you gotta drop it down to 20 just to get bit, okay? Yeah, our elbow no problem with 20 or 25 pound. Um, now we get to the business end here, and what you're gonna see is you're gonna see, you know, what, what most people would consider maybe a trout hook looks pretty small, doesn't it? Okay, that's a number two owner fly, fly liner ringed hook. That's a San Diego jam knot. And then you're gonna notice I've got this egg sinker. Now, you do not want this egg sinker riding right above the ring of the hook, because the tuna will use this egg sinker to pry this hook out of his mouth. Okay, so what you're gonna do is you're gonna take this and you're gonna slide this egg sinker up the line. So here we go. And we're gonna get about, about three feet on this and then you're gonna take a split shot. You're gonna put the split shot on the line, just like so. And you're gonna come around with the pliers and you're gonna crimp that split shot onto the line, close it just ever so gently and this is what it's gonna look like. Okay, now why would, why would I use um, split shot? And I'll tell you when, if it's windy and the, the boat's getting blown hard, you're moving at two knots, you need something to help get that anchovy down. I don't like to use a lot of weight. In fact, most of the time, I'm gonna start with just the split shot, okay? And this is uh, pretty small, this is a size three split shot. And then if I need a little bit more, I can put an egg sinker um, above it uh, quarter ounce. And the beauty of this is I can take this, I can take this split shot off. 
I can move the sinker up the line, down the line, wherever I want to put it, three feet, four feet away from the hook. Okay, and that's really the key. Um, again, I don't like to use weight. In fact, if I've got about 10 knots of wind or less, I am going no weight at all. You wanna to try to have the stealthiest presentation you can in order to present that bait perfectly to the fish, okay? And that's my live bait tuna setup. Don't go anywhere. We're gonna be back right here on Fish on Northwest after the break. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day -day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975 providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. This summer, make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. All right, welcome back here in studio. Nicely done there, brother. Hey, thanks, sir. Yeah, the live bait thing, man. I love it. I've had a taste of it, and I, I want more. Yeah, yeah, we it's need just, to go get you some more. What's crazy is the size of those hooks. You're getting, you know, 25-pound oh, fish, and look at the size of that hook. Right, no just, problem, day in and day no out. no sense, it, yep. but hey, you know, whatever works. I mean, you, you got to match You got to match the hook to the size of the bait, and let's yeah. face it, anchovies are small and they're weak. So, <laughs> hence, number two, number four hooks. Very good point, yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on, you know, we got some updates, some openings and closings. So, we had a couple days ago, Tommy, like 48 hours ago, Area 13 was closing to uh, fishing, Chinook and Coho Retention. Uh, WDFW met with co-managers, uh, predominantly Nisqually Tribe that oversees mm -hmm. and, you know, monitors that fishery. Uh, I had lunch last week with David Trout, a friend of mine. Uh, he is the uh, the head of the natural resources there with uh, the Nisqually Tribe and very forthcoming with information. He was mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, we need to meet on this because, uh, look, the original the original preseason forecast, I think, was at about 14,000 fish, which is low for the Nisqually. Like six, seven years ago, we're talking 45,000 45, fish. Right. South Puget Sound gets, uh, gets Chinook coming back to the Deschutes and to the Nisqually, and collectively that South Sound should just be teeming with fish especially when we look at this year and the robust Chinook numbers, mm -hmm. other areas of Puget Sound in Columbia River and whatnot, right, right? Right, So why are we having a problem with South Sound? That's a discussion for later on. We're actually going to get David Trout in here because, man, we got some great things to talk about in that regard. Nonetheless, um, looked like it was going to come in way under because their, their conducted net fisheries were not performing, and then all of a sudden we had an uptick here this last week. Mm -hmm. They think they're going to land somewhere soft of the original forecast, but it's going to be more than five or 6,000 that they were kind of going, oh my gosh, we have a serious problem here. So it's not like, um, <clears throat> it's not like really great spectacular news, but it's not to the point where, <clears throat> excuse me, they have to close it down. So uh, it did open back up today. I think we had a closure of about 48 hours, you know, and that is that that at least they're communicating, right? At well, least they're having and, a conversation, and at least it's really responsive, right? And, and and instead of letting the fishery go through, and now you blow it by two hundred percent, right? Exactly. Yeah. They stay on top of it pretty darn good. Uh, the squallies always have. They rely on their their monitoring and their managers and their biologists, and they work very closely together. And they will shut their guys down on a on a yeah. you know snap of a finger. Go, nope, we're done. Yeah. Or hey, it's performing over anticipation, we can continue to fish. And so in the recreational folks, believe it or not, you, uh, you have uh, a lot to give them thanks for in that regard because they truly do monitor fishery and provide it for us to take advantage of. Right, so. and, and we're seeing some really, um, I mean, what I would consider weird or odd or dynamic things going on with the management of fisheries this year. And the other one, right, mm -hmm. in Westport, which I thought I would never see, is they've gone to non-selective, aka unclipped coho take, yeah, right? Yep. Didn't think I'd ever see that. Right. And all of a sudden, here we are um, going to that. Now, we take a hit in the quota, a big hit, right? We're going that from- That was surprising. That, that was surprising. We go from 40 some thousand down to, you know, just 14,000 fish. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, already we're down to 10,000 fish left, right? 
So you can kind of see the writing on the wall. We've only got maybe two weeks of this gig left, mm -hmm. and then we're out of coho. So yeah. I, I can't say that I agree with what's happening. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we got to understand is this puts more hatchery coho into the river system mm -hmm. and potentially onto the spawning beds, which we know has always been an issue. It's, been an issue. it's, it's one of the things that gets held over our heads in terms of the management of the hatchery right. fish and has been used against us in the past right. in terms of trying to lower the hatchery rates. Yeah, so if we're not uh, if we're not careful here and we push too many hatchery fish into the tributaries and they do reach the gravel versus getting into the hatcheries, that becomes problematic down the road, right? right. So, uh, yeah, who knew the buy-off of targeting wild fish and retaining wild fish versus all the catch and release going on in the ocean would somehow uh, trickle down to this conversation or we would be... Right you know, aware of the fact we may end up with more hatchery fish on the gravel by taking more wild fish out. I mean, it kind of mm -hmm. makes sense, but the big picture thing, you didn't see this coming, right? So no. uh, some are happy, some are, I'm just kind of like, ah, okay, now I see the handwriting on the wall here. So, mm -hmm. all right, hey, that is gonna do it for us here on the first half of the show. If you're tuning in with Root Sports, uh, hope you enjoyed. We're gonna jump out for a quick break. If you're streaming with us live this evening, do not go anywhere. Second half of the show coming up right after the break. Sergeant Daniel Moulter began his tour of duty on October 21st, 1996 and ended his tour on June 27th, 2020. On the authority of Constable Carlos B. Lopez of the Travis County Constable's Office, Precinct 5, badge number 504 is officially retired and Sergeant Dale Moulter is 1042. Godspeed, Sergeant Moulter. Honoring fallen law officers of 2021. The 2022 end of watch ride begins in May from Spokane, Washington. The ride across the country to honor the men and women of law enforcement who paid the ultimate sacrifice in their service to our communities will cover more than 23,000 miles. We ride to ensure that no fallen officer or their family is ever forgotten. EOW relies on sponsors and donations to cover this cost. Please consider donating to help support the families and departments of the fallen officers. You can donate by visiting our website at www.endofwatchride.com forward slash donate. Please support the blue. Hey, welcome back here in studio. Fish on Northwest, Wendy and Tommy Donlin. And welcoming to the show our good buddy, longtime friend, Kyle Bushelman, Willamette Valley Outfitters. Um, Kyle, you've been a little busy lately, man. You've been posting pics. Out there on those social media, just killing it down there at Bowie 10 for the entire month of August. Uh, congrats on that, man. Looks like he had an epic season. How do you think that fishery performed for you this year overall? Did it meet expectation? It was the best season I've had, honestly. It was the fishing was good from start to finish. And um, as we all know, it's a bummer it finished, but it's the way it goes. So, you know. We're making adjustments now, last-minute adjustments because of the coho season being shut down for right now anyway. Right. So when you look back at the season that you've had, and as good as it's been, what do you think has been the key to your success? And I'm really wondering about the terminal tackle side of things, like, you know, lure presentation, leader lengths. Like, what, what were the keys for you, Kyle? Well, for me, it was fine-tuning the 360 game. There's a lot of, lot of little you know, fine tunes with it that made my success happen. Little things like leader length between, you know, like my cut plugs to my flasher. But the biggest one was trusting my electronics mm. and adjusting my depth, you know, not sticking to the classic 25, 30, 35, 40 on my counters. But, you know, I was running heavy leads and 75 and 80 on the counter a lot to dredge near the bottom where I was seeing bait and fish. Um, I've, was, I just fished deeper than normal work because that's where I saw the fish. If I saw fish high, I would run rods up, but, and I ran my bow rods kind of high anyway, just because, but, you know, there were days my bow rods weren't getting the fish, and those are usually the hottest rods we have. Mm. Um, so I would put my bow rods at 45 or 50, my back rods and middle rods 60 and 80. And it it made all the difference in the world. Um, you know, we're all kind of doing similar things. And I think as I was talking to other guides, like, we're, we're you know, we'll get the cell phone bite thing going. And it's like, where are you at? Same area and here. And, man, I'm not getting bit. Will deepen up, and then they call back saying, "Man, it worked." Oh. Mm. Um, 
that was kind of the biggest thing for me this year was really trusting my electronics and sticking to it. So, Did you notice any particular tide set that <clears throat> seemed to fish more favorably, such as, you know, those, those holdover tides we had about a week and a half ago were pretty nice that afternoon, you know, three, four foot holdover tide versus that big push out. Um, or, you know, did that, did that seven and eight foot incoming or outgoing tide always fish pretty consistently? What'd you find? I like the bigger tides. I think it's easier to find where the fish are. Mm -hmm. um, the the soft tides tend to spread things out. They could be down low. They could be up high. I know a lot of people get caught up on the water temperature, and I think that's important, but I didn't see huge changes between like a 68 and a 66 personally. Mm -hmm. I just tend to you know, I was kind of going on, you know, on the bigger tides, those fish tend to get sucked back down below the checkerboard in that deeper water off the church. And we've, I fished a lot more below the bridge this year than I did above, which is not normal. I usually stay above the bridge a lot. It seems like yeah. this year, I, I mean, I had a couple days right before those tides where we were fishing in the afternoon quite a bit um, that were really good above the bridge, but for the most, and a couple days at tongue point, but for the most part, the bigger tides tend to focus the fish a little bit more, I believe. And I had way better. Well, I had good success the whole time, but it seemed like we had way more success with the big swings for me anyway. Oh, mm. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I like it. Hey, so Kyle, yeah. what have you been hearing about that three fish coho limit? Are, are we going to get that here September 7th, 8th, or what have you been hearing? I haven't heard much, but, you know, traditionally we'll get something back. I mean, they're not, I don't think it's going the closure is going to last the whole season. Um, I do believe ODFW and WDFW need to come to 2022 and adjust the way they do things. But with that being said, I think we will get them. My buddy was out today, and they didn't hook a tule all day. It was all upriver brights and coho. Go figure. So maybe next year we'll get something different. And personally, I'd like to see us start later and go later, like start the 15th and have hatchery mm -hmm. fish till the end of the month yeah. and then open it up completely. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's exactly what I was telling Tommy earlier. I go, you know, going into this with the uh, wild tule constraints that we were up against, and they drafted a fishery that allowed us to fish – albeit hatchery only through the 24th, they would have been a better served, I think. Now, you know, there would be many that would argue with you and I, Kyle, but, you know, to truly just open it up on the 15th, like you said, get later into the season. Well, Who wouldn't want to be out there right now uh, getting into those upriver brights and all these coho coming in? Correct. The other thing is with the hatchery only thing for the most of the season, it puts stress on people to kill a hatchery fish, right. which in turns truly where if we just start later, which the better Chinook fishing's later anyway. A lot of us are out in the ocean that first week and a half anyhow, mm -hmm. trying to get our fish. And water temperatures are really warm. So the fishery's a bit tougher that first week and a half. So if we started the 15th, had hatchery fish until the end of the month, and then they opened it up wide open for everybody, the bulk of the run's pushing up, and now we're hitting cohos and a few upriver brights, and the, the Thule impact is less. I believe that right. would be the move. But we'll see. I mean, I don't. Th I don't even know why they clip tulies if we're not supposed to have them. It's pretty simple. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? right. If but, they're you know, come, if they're, you know, whatever. Uh, I was gonna, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, you know, we're we're at September first. We're gonna that thing's gonna reopen for coho here at, at some point. If it's a week or ten days, we're gonna see some pretty robust coho coming in that lower estuary and have opportunity on it. Give us a couple uh, bits of pointers here. What what are some things some folks should do to change up their presentation, their gear, to truly target coho now that the Chinook have pretty much moved on through? Did we lose it? Well, I, I'm a big fan of like, here. Can you hear me? Yeah. You guys there? Yeah, we're just kind of, kind of breaking up a little bit. I can hear you. Okay, go ahead and keep talking. Okay, we gotcha. I'm, I'm, we gotcha. Yeah, I uh, I like to stick with the hoochie spinners again. Um, 
You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of the Alaska spinners from VIP. They are coho killers. Right. And um, fishing up in the and staying on that lower section around El Waco, I, I think the flood tide, save your, save your energy, go out there at the beginning of the top, the bottom of the tide and fish that flood. And you could hammer a lot of coho. I was really looking forward to the three fish season and I think we'll get it, mm-hmm. but maybe in a week or in a couple of weeks. And that's still plenty of time to get down there and catch right. a bunch of fish. Right. Perfect. So, so hey, what's, what's on your schedule, yeah. Kyle, after buoy 10, are you going to be doing a little bit of Depot Bay? And is that going to be a non-select fishery for coho down there? Yeah, that starts September 3rd. I'm on my way home now. I'm actually at a rest stop right now because <laughs> traffic has been a disaster today. Oh, yeah. But, um, uh, Monday, I'm down at Winchester Bay. I have a couple trips there. And then on the third is our non-select season out here. And we got 10,000 fish added to it oh, yeah. that oh, were beautiful. a carryover. So that's mm-hmm. kind of nice. So my plan is to go Depot Bay and to be fishing off the mouth of the Celettes. I mean, there's a lot of Chinook and Coho that go into that system. And I like the option of dropping crab pots on the way out for my guys and you know, and kind of kept making the best of this non-select season if the ocean allows us out. So that's kind of my plan for the next couple of weeks until we see what happens in Astoria and kind of how the Chinook fishery kind of turns up on the Oregon coast. Because where I'm traditionally at on the Sayusala, it's closed. Mm-hmm. So there, it puts pressure on the, the, the Umquat, puts pressure on the Alsi, it puts pressure on the Silettes and the Coos. Mm-hmm. So we're all those guides that are in central part of the state of Oregon are going to have to, you know, move around a little bit, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that Depot Bay fishery, call for those that don't know, um, targeting, you know, Coho, Chinook, Coho, whatever uh, y- your options right. are. Is that a uh, is that an uh, lead option? Is that a lead fishery? Are you on down yep. or what's the go? I'll still I'll still be yeah I'll still be using lead. Um, we're fishing shallow. I mean, generally speaking, you know, I'll be fishing what we call the bubbles. The mm-hmm. bubbles are generally right off the the tips of the rivers. The you know the the mouth there at the jetty tips and um, the sluts doesn't really have a jetty, but it still has the same depth contours of thirty feet down to ninety. And I'll be within that range fishing in the upper part of the column. And as I'm getting close, um, we'll be fishing near the bottom with 20s and 18s and 16-ounce leads. Nice. So we do pretty good. Um, the days that I'm, you know, not able to go out in the ocean, I'll be in Silette's Bay or Winchester. It just kind of depends on the bite. I kind of live in the middle, so I'll be going back and forth. Gotcha. gotcha. I like it. So, hey, Kyle, how do people get a hold of you, and do you have any openings? I have I have some openings in September. There's a few, and then October opens up quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, Willamette Valley Outfitters LLC.com. We just updated the domain name on oh, that, okay. and then my number. Yep, and then five four one five one seven seven five three six, or they can go to Facebook and find me there too. Right. Willamette Valley Outfitters. Very good. Willamette Valley Outfitters on Facebook. www.willamettevalleyoutfittersllc.com is the update. Contact Kyle Bushelman. Yep. You're not going to be disappointed, ladies and gentlemen. Trust me. I no. fish with my buddy from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> and look at those hogs we flashed oh, up, too. How could gosh. you go wrong? Yeah, put up some dimers for you there, buddy. So, uh, well done. Thank you. Ten. Successful, and I uh, can't wait to see what you keep kicking out here over the next month of September. All right, guys. Thank you very much. All right. Have, Have a, good, a good one. Have a good night. We'll see you. Yep, bye. All right. Well, there you go, Tommy. There's uh, guys like him that, you know, when I'm down there fishing, yeah, Kyle's on my uh, on my phone and hey, where oh, yeah. you at? How's it going? And he gets into a bite. He takes time to pick up the phone and give me a call. So it's uh, pretty nice, you know. I've uh, been friends for a long time. He's a good guy. Very good, uh, very good fisherman to say the least. All right, we are going to jump out for a quick break. We come back, Tom. We've got some fisheries we want to discuss. I have a few folks mm-hmm. that were messaging us up on uh, different platforms asking about the Willapaw fishery and some tricks to uh, maybe key in on for success there. We got some summer steelhead fisheries still going on. Tommy, you got some, uh, got some most important <laughs> yes. uh, tidbits about tuna for success. And just a handful of fisheries we can kind of key in on here uh, now that we have some closures kind of surrounding us in various areas. So plenty to talk about. Don't go anywhere. A couple minute break. We'll be back right here at Fish on Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years. 
Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why Arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima Boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. Uh, welcome back here in the studio, Dwayne England, Tommy Donlin. And Tommy, we've got a, a lot of uh, messages coming in here tonight we haven't uh, really paid attention to. A um, couple points of interest here. Yeah, Michael states, uh, without the tribes, we would have no fishery on the Nisqually. That is a 100% accurate statement. Mm-hmm. They pretty much run, monitor, and um, like I said, they, they call the shots when it comes to either their guys fishing, we have opportunity, days a week, uh, when their nets go in or don't, based on run performance. Yeah. And they really key in on that. And um, David Trout caught everyone's attention a couple of years ago when he was talking about alternative gear selections. They were utilizing test fisheries to see what was the most conducive to getting fish and not harming wild fish. So they, they put in some extra effort there. Yeah. I always tip my cap to them because they're trying. Yeah. Uh, whereas I, other other uh, fisheries, other, other uh, trouble... Um, fisheries may not so much right right yeah and i'd like to see some more open and creative thinking around hatchery management especially when they've taken strains out of like the green river and transplanted them in other rivers and then claimed that that is now the wild fish i think that thinking needs to go Mm -hmm. down the road Mm -hmm. and you just need to ask yourself the question well what what strain of salmon would be the most successful and the most prolific on this given river system right yeah and then wherever that is go get it and put it in that river system that is a fantastic segue because part of my discussion with David Trout the other day at lunch was I asked him once again about this Skagit component. Is this something they've generated or done? He says, no. We literally, uh, through you know DNA analysis and, and monitoring these fish, they have concluded that they have a component of Skagit Chinook that have found their way into the Squally River. And uh, the last, uh, I believe it was last season, they acquired about five or 600 of them. Really? And so hmm. this is a much stronger strain of wild fish than anything that could have been derived from this, you know, piece of junk fish out of the green watershed <laughs> that right. they've put in and seeded all the uh, Puget Sound rivers, right? So they are, uh, with, you know, science and biology, they're, they're, they're monitoring this, they're managing this. They're seeing if it's conducive to move forward with the program. I asked him, does it, what does that mean? It's like future brood stalking. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of really good insightful information. He's going to be here in the studio in a couple of weeks because I really want to get into this conversation. It is well worth uh, having that discussion, looking um, towards the future of some of these fisheries and what changes right. may be coming to, to get that more, uh, more abundance of a return and much stronger fish, right? So important stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Josh was asking, do we have a deal code with Edge Rods, Broker Rods Sunday, looking for a new one? Yes, first of all, Edge uh, is the right direction for you to head. And yes, go to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. You'll see a coupon there, coupon code uh, FHN20. So when you go to Edge Rods, select your rod, go to checkout, you enter in the coupon code box down at the bottom, FHN20, and when you hit um, apply, you'll see the percentage, the 20%, 20%. Taken, off, taken off of your purchase. So yeah. that's how that works. Not it's, 5%, nope. not 10%, nope. 20%, 20% all the time. So, uh, and you'll see that at checkout. You got to go through the process, apply it, and when you hit uh, submit, it'll it'll deduct that 20%. So good luck with that, Josh. Thanks for asking. Uh, lots of good questions on here tonight, Tommy. We'll try to circle back. Yeah, we do have them. a pretty good report here out of Marine Area 1. Mm. Warren Hazen, right now, as of today, we have been slaughtering the coho in Area 1 off the mouth of the Columbia. 280 feet on spin fish, the oh, 2.0 and the 2.5. How about that? Fish are all over out there, but really from 250 to 300 feet and right off the ship canal, and they're just absolutely tearing up those spin fish. That is going deep for coho. Yeah. Yeah, got to like it. So some other fisheries to consider. Uh, I had some folks asking questions about the Willapaw fishery. Tom, I usually partake in that a couple times a year. I have yet to 
make my way down there. It's been on the uptick. I get the weekly reports from WDFW and, and Willapaw, and they're monitoring mm -hmm. that fishery, and it seems the last couple of weeks there's been an increase in the amount of fish that are being checked by the krill samplers at the docks. So there is an uptick in Chinook, and the co are starting to show up. Um, some questions were asked like, hey, my uh, ability to go fish that will be on an outgoing tide. I'm like, okay, I fished it on an outgoing tide. I fished it on an incoming tide. You know, mm -hmm. any, anytime we have moving water, really what it comes down to is like how much water is moving, how strong is that current pushing? Because either direction, if it's pushing hard, where are those fish going to be, Tommy? Uh, near the bottom, I would on imagine. On the deck, yeah. that's right. Them fish yeah. get shoved to the bottom. So if you're fishing suspended in your fisheries on these lead fisheries, not using enough lead, or you're letting a lot of line out and letting it, you know, halfway down the water column, you may encounter a fish from time to time. But I'm here to tell you, uh, history would lead me to believe uh, success is on the bottom, in the mud. You know, hit the deck, come up a crank or two, make sure you're running clean bait. Willapaw. I guarantee you want to run your bait in helmets because of all the grass and debris. Yes. So tell, tell me about that a little bit because I've heard about yeah. how bad the grass situation can be. The eel grass and can be really bad. Is it is it all on top? Is it the entire water column? Like where is all of the, the weeds? There's a lot of it on top, but there is a, okay. lot of, a lot of it also suspended. And if you've paid attention to some of our tutorials in the past, I take a barbecue wooden skewer and I cut it down to about four inches. Mm -hmm. Now that barbecue wood skewer will fit exactly through a number three barrel swivel. Yep, now right through the do, eye. Yep, so what you yep. do is you slide that barrel swivel up your main line on your braid. Right? We're not fishing a top shot here. Your braid goes directly to your, uh, your dual snap or your dual lock, which then goes to your bumper, which then goes to your flasher, mm -hmm. okay? So above your dual lock on your braid, you're going to slide that number three swivel up. And you can put it up there five, six feet if you want, mm -hmm. because when you reel down. Now you're running it through the swivel, right? Through both through eyes. Through the swivel and yep. through the other eye. Right. Slide it up. And then about four, five, six feet, whatever you want to do, you cross pin that stick through that. So it runs yeah. perpendicular to your line. Mm -hmm. And what you're going to notice when the weeds get really bad and you're fishing, uh, a couple things will happen. Your rods... Um, we're mostly fishing triangular flashers there, you know, rotating 360s collect a lot Grab of more. stuff, right? right? So you're keeping everything in line, run your, uh, triangle flashers and your bait in helmets, you know, 36, 40 inch leader at the most, uh, get a good spin drill bit on that, run the Rice Davis helmets. You can't go wrong whether you're running the, you know, uh, herring or an anchovy, but, um, that stick literally will collect everything that it's running through. And what's <laughs> interesting is your rod will slowly load up. And I have had days there where you literally go from one rod to the next rod to the next rod. And just clean it and off. just clean it off. But the beauty of this is you're not having to clean it out of everything that's spinning. Uh -huh. It's not in your flasher. It's, it's, it's above it. It's Yeah, it's yeah. not in your bait. It's not coating your swivels. It's not getting all balled up. It grabs everything on the stick. You reel it in. You clean the salad off, throw it to the side. Drop your gear back in, hit bottom, come up a crank, you're fishing. Yeah. Now, how deep are you fishing there? Well, it depends. I mean, it can be 23 feet, 33 feet, 38 feet. Depending on the tide. Yep, yeah. depending on the tide. And um, the key here is to make sure you're right off the deck and monitor those rods when they load up with debris, clean them, use a weed grabber. Now, you got a lot of options, but uh, and buddies that showed me that years ago, they're using little toothpicks. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going toothpick <laughs> on steroids. The industrial. Right? I'm getting, yes, the barbecue skier. And the um, size three barrel swivel is there you a go. tight fit. Doesn't and when you get a fish on, if you're six feet above your your terminal clip there, when you are fighting that fish and you want to reel down to get to the lead to lift that fish up to net it, you just reel down against it. It pushes it right down. Pushes it down. Okay. It just pushes it down. It's do, not do you ever put in. two two barbecue skewers in there? One no. in the upper, just no, one. Just one. Why not two? I just had never thought of it. Just like, yeah. eh. I mean, yeah. I don't know if that would create a spinning action or not. Yeah. A, I don't know. Well, there's only one way to find out. There's only one way to find out. What isn't tried won't work. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, just a few points of reference there. You know, stronger tides, push it to the bottom, use enough lead to stay down there. Use helmets. I guarantee you're going to be much more successful with durable bait. Brine it in Potsky's Fire Brine the night before. Add a little bit of extra salt to it. Toughen them up. Yeah. Um, and you're going to do good. Blue works very well when the sun's out. Chartreuse works very well if it's a cloudy day. I'll put okay. It that way. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. You know, that's something that I've always wanted to do for tuna. You talk about herring in a helmet, anchovy in a helmet. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to run an anchovy in the helmet 
for tuna on the tuna grounds. You Seriously? Know? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's times when you can see the tuna, you know, on the sonar. Yeah. Right. You can see them. They're there. They're at 200 feet. They're hanging out doing their thing and, and you're having trouble getting them to come up oh. to live bait or to, to whatever. Right. And you got a couple options. You could jig. Sure. But I mean, you know, using a heavy lead 20 ounce ball and getting something down there that actually <laughs> replicates a wounded bait right. and, and slow trolling it. Right. So yeah. it's, it's in their zone for a long time. It's not going anywhere. Yep. It's just sitting there doing its yep. thing, and it's flashing. It's yep. like a beacon down there oh, yeah. at 180 feet. Yep. I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't work because they're used to hammering bait in that same exact condition. Yep. So it's something that we'll have to try next time we get out to the tuna grounds. Not a bad idea. Speaking of which, boy, um, what did you guys put on the deck the other day? 41 fish? Yeah, we got 41 the other day, yeah. and it's, it's just it's been so consistent. It's been phenomenal. I mean, mm -hmm. then it's like the you know back. typically 20 to 40 fish, right, right. Um, in a full day of fishing there, and um, they've been on live bait. They've been eating. They, they, you know, what's really surprised me is they're still eating the troll really well. So if you, you know, if you don't have a bait tank, I would say, don't worry, go out there, troll five lines, seven lines, put as many lines as you can in the water off your boat without tangling the gear. And once you get bit on that first hookup on the troll fish, don't stop, keep going, keep going. And you'll get another bite and another bite. The first troll bite of the other uh, that we had the other day, yeah. we had two takedowns on uh, Nomad uh, Matt, uh, Nomad DTXs, the diving okay. plugs, mm -hmm. and we're pulling those in, and we're pulling in the spreader bar, and the spreader bar gets absolutely annihilated, smoked about five feet from the transom. Why are you this, just pulling it in? This we're pulling it in because we're yep, mm -hmm. we're getting out of the way. We're getting yep. ready to go to bait. We're pulling it in, and it just gets hammered right off the stern, and that tuna hit it so hard he jumped out of the water as he was grabbing the chase bait and boom that that individual that was bringing in that you know just thinking oh well sure. i'm just i'm just doing my job uh -huh. so that we can get bait in the water yeah. boom now he's hooked up we got three on <laughs> and so the troll bite is just it's been phenomenal it's been good, huh? and i think for a lot of people when especially when you get into september there's a lot of hesitation involved with going out and just trolling because they know you know traditionally or historically those fish just key in on live bait yeah and i'm telling you go out there and troll you're going to get a lot of fish that way. How about the irony? Last year, we couldn't get live bait. So right. we were forced to troll, and then, you know, we would throw some other options some out there. Some dead bait, some jigs. Throwing, yeah. you know. This year, you have live bait, and the fish continue getting late into it here. Now we're into September, and they're still responding on the troll. They are. It's just, you just it's why you got to go with multiple options, right? You do. Well, and that's why I love tuna fishing, because you just, you never know what tool you're going to have to pull out of the toolbox that day. Yeah. And, you know, just when you think you've got them figured out and you know what's going on, mm -hmm. um, they decide to chew on something else, right? Like earlier on um, in August, it was it was like swim baits, man. They were eating swim baits left and right. Went out there this last weekend. They wouldn't even touch the swim bait. And I and trust me, I trolled everything at every speed uh, from a three-quarter ounce head all the way up to three-ounce head different shapes, sizes, colors, mm -hmm. and they just, they didn't want anything to do with it. They were all about those diving plugs. Sounds to me like you got to go out there with options. You do. You got to go do. out there with options. How right. far out are you guys going right now? You know, that's, that's the other beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't think people really appreciate like how good the tuna fishing is right now mm -hmm. and how close they are. We're talking 35 to 40 miles. Compared to last right? year? Last year, 80 uh -huh. miles, uh -huh. 70 miles, yeah. no good water no. temp breaks, no good color breaks, nope. just kind of muddled water. And here we are, we're going out there and you know, it's not the, the water that we're fishing is not like a gin clear blue, blue, blue. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of an off blue, but the fish are there Yeah, and they've been there for a long time. And so it's been consistent. It's really not that far away. A lot of the guys are going out. We've got some halibut days this weekend. Guys are going out, getting their halibut out of Westport. And then they're just going out, bumping out another 10 miles and they're getting, you know, a handful of tuna on the troll. Might as well. You're, you're almost there. Right. So just go out and get them. So yep. Uh, yeah, we still got plenty of tuna opportunity, man, through September, weather windows, and, you know, if uh, things kind of stay offshore as they are, just, uh, it's going to be good. Yeah. Still got a great month to look forward to, and yeah. into October, potentially. So, um, you know, Tommy, and uh, we are not completely done with summer. I believe summer ends on the calendar September 22nd, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, the rivers would tell you otherwise. There are plenty of summer steelhead still around in some of these near coastal rivers here, and uh, the Cowlitz is starting to pick up a little bit, get some reports of guys doing well there. I like this time here on the Cowlitz, if I can find time. Uh, the drift boat is a great way to go when that flow gets under 2,500. 
uh, coon shrimp on a, on a bait diver, mm. you're picking pockets, man, because you can literally float down that river. And, you know, it's a bigger river. I, I don't spend a lot of time there because it is a bigger river and it's sled heavy. But when we get down to under 2,500 feet of flow and we're into uh, late August, early September, and you can literally go down and historically having fished it so much, knowing where all the pockets are because it really doesn't change, mm-hmm. uh, the ability just to drop coon shrimp on divers in those pockets and who doesn't want to be on the receiving end of a summer on steelhead ripping a coon shrimp for everything it's worth on one of those uh, edge kokanee rods i'm going to tell you it's a good time so don't give up on your summer run fishing yet still plenty of opportunity the rivers are low and clear maybe try pinning a coon shrimp under a clear float fish in the pockets uh, tossing small spinners um, even some uh, imitation baits and things small presentation and yes definitely jigs dark color patterns uh, whiteheads dark in the morning and of course go to all dark uh, purples and blacks and reds in the afternoon so plenty of options there um, you know on the Columbia if you want to go after Chinook and there's going to be plenty of them just got to go above Bonneville man mm-hmm. this time of year historically we would be over there mid-September at fish camp and we're fishing the mouth of the Deschutes or the mouth of the Klickitat and uh, you got a couple options you're hover fishing eggs which is just a kick in the pans or you are on the troll with yep 3.5 spinners uh, Brad Super Baits cup plugs, either the minis or the Kokanee cup plug last year mm. with our buddy Aaron Peterson. We were just annihilating the Chinook. 24-inch leaders, small 3.5 spinner. So the or, same the same spinners that you have rigged up yeah, here for Yeah, or, you know, no hoochie. Some with a hoochie, most just a spinner blade okay. and, and some beads. Um, and a double hook setup or that treble hook and a single hook. Uh, check your regs if uh, you're curious how many points you can have. But, yeah, we still got great... Chinook opportunity on the Columbia. You just got to go above Bonneville. Yeah. And the fish are going to be there, man. It's that time of year. Yeah. They're going to start stacking up in that upper river, and there's yep. going to be plenty of opportunity. Yeah, so. and that just, I mean, if you haven't gotten out already for our this salmon run that mm-hmm. has been, and everywhere, doesn't matter. I mean, you know what's totally underrated is the Chinook bite in Area 10. And we, we've right barely now. mentioned it right uh, now. Hardly I mean, goes about, are, well, we guys are going out, and they're getting their still. limits. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and today, uh, I think it was, uh, I saw John Martinez went out there. He got four nice coho. Right. Two right. ocean coho, probably two that were more of a resident type coho. But Area 10 continues to kick out fish yeah. day in and day out. And it's uh, it's been overlooked by a lot of folks because everybody's right. just running everywhere else, right? Yep. So um, hump tulips open today. So our coastal rivers, some of them are opening today. It's that time of year, Tommy. Bobber and eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, do I dare say I got about 60 pounds of eggs? All right, let's go do it. <laughs> <laughs> got about 60 pounds. Speaking of which, uh, we'll talk about some of those tutorials coming up here um, when we come back. We're going to jump out for a quick break. Just a handful of fisheries. Tommy and I wanted to kind of, you know, hey, it's not all doom and gloom, man. we got a lot of opportunity out there. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. We need to get out there and take advantage of it. We're going to jump out for a break. We come back and close out the show. A couple points of reference on some hunts coming up. And some tutorials you guys are probably going to ask us to be sure we do. We'll do that when we come back right here. Fish on Northwest. All Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance Boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy. Cutbacks in funding and fewer law enforcement resources are affecting our businesses and communities. If your business is feeling the effects, Phoenix Protective may be the solution you are looking for. They offer security solutions customized to meet your needs. From remote video monitoring in their 24-hour control center to a proactive, experienced security professional on site, Phoenix Protective has over 20 years experience in ensuring the safety of their customers. Team members are highly trained and proactive, giving them the ability to adjust to the changing needs of their customers. Customers choose to work with Phoenix Protective because they provide the next level in security support to industries such as schools, hospitals, transit, and utilities. For a security assessment to see how Phoenix Protective can help you and your business, visit their website at www.phoenixprotectivecore.com and select contact. All right, welcome back here in studio as we close out the show. Uh, Tommy, I was kind of mentioning it, you know, we got these terminal fisheries kicking off. 
Um, I had put up a few pictures uh, last couple of weeks. I was carrying some eggs back here in the True Bay Lab, mm -hmm. right? And uh, had some different recipes brewing and things going on. Hey, anybody want to see some of this stuff? Overwhelmingly, people were like, yes. Please, uh, again, show us some of your egg cures and your your dehydrating of your fish flesh and those things and the things we mix in and all the different things. So, And I have some curing uh, videos I need to also create for Potsky, so it's kind of a two-for-one. So, yeah, over the next several weeks, I'm hoping I should get my hands on some fresh eggs. And yeah. we can spend some time in the bait lab there over the next several weeks doing a couple of different recipe options. You know, there's a difference when you start curing mature Chinook eggs versus, say, eggs you're getting in the certain parts of the Columbia where you mm -hmm. have an upriver fish that is, you know, big, mature, full of fat. Egg production is 50% because it still has 400 right. miles to go. Right. Versus you get some of these fish out here in South Puget Sound. Yeah. Their eggs are really mature. Skin is starting to break down on the skein. Right. So it's a much softer egg. So if I, if I hit that with a strong sulfite cure... I'm not going to be happy with the result mm -hmm. versus if I um, uh, utilize that same type of cure on a skein that's much tighter and yeah. firmer and less mature, I'm going to be very happy with the results. So, you know, one of the other things that I think you should cover in a Bay Lab or at least mention it and mm -hmm. talk about it is like how to, if you do get, you know, eggs that are bloody, mm -hmm. like how do you get the blood out? Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I never even thought about that. I'm thinking like, oh, it's you know, salmon eggs, you just, you know, you, th you do the mm -hmm. cure thing and you throw a glob on and you're good to go. And you're yeah. like, no, 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 you get blood in there mm -hmm. and it completely changes that scent profile, which I had never yeah. thought about. Yeah, because, you know, it, it, uh, blood doesn't really cure. It just kind of spoils. Right. Right. So, right. I mean, you kind of can stop the spoilage because of the salts and the sugars and the sulfites and the different mm -hmm. things in your cures. That being said, you know, liquid brines do a lot better in actually helping get some of that blood out of those eggs when it's, uh, hard to get the blood out. You know, if the eggs are two, three days old, the blood is coagulated and firm and it's hard to push out of the veins. Mm -hmm. If you have fresh eggs the day of, you can push that stuff right out of there, no problem. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of variables that come into, okay, what's the, you know, what's the status of these eggs? How fresh are they or are they not? Um, and if they don't stink, uh, they still have decent color, well, I can get the blood out and I can cure them this way and it's mm -hmm. gonna be successful. So just some tips that uh, people are asking for. We're gonna try to break that down over the next several weeks because we are gonna be getting ready for that ultimately that October, November, terminal fisheries, bobber and eggs, coho and chinook. Right. Just a great uh, part of our season to look forward to. So yeah, gonna bring that to you guys as well. Yeah, and then we also had uh, Shelby Ross with us from Ross Outdoors at the Ducks Unlimited Banquet, which again is just, it's such a grand event, oh, absolutely man. phenomenal. Great time. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of funds raised for the Ducks, of course. And uh, right now we're working on our dates with Shelby, trying to figure out when we're gonna have our uh, duck and goose uh, you know, hunt shoot mm -hmm. of uh, 2022. So looking forward to getting those dates soon and then rolling those out to our folks. Things to look forward to. And I told him, look, we have an overwhelming response of you folks wanting to jump on board and get over there with Tommy and I. And uh, we look forward to that. We're gonna do at least do a two day duck hunt and another uh, outing that will be a goose and a duck hunt uh, double uh, two-day trip as well. So, um, yeah, we got some great days to look forward to over there. Yeah. If you guys want to go to Potholes, hang out with Shelby Ross and Ross Outdoors and uh, whack and stack. Well, my fun. mind was blown, okay? Look, yeah, I've never, was, I've uh, never uh, yeah. gone goose hunting before. Time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm highly invested in big game, and but that was an absolute kick in the pants. I've never seen so many geese in my life yeah. on the ground and in, in you know it just unreal mm -hmm. yeah. unreal and now you have that assault shotgun too that's right so, that's right <laughs> who doesn't want to use that when we go after <laughs> yeah right um no and, it's it's a stone it's a stoker p3000 oh it okay. is okay yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah 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 no um also something to consider if i get a pretty good response out of you folks um you know we used to make a few runs over there to miller ranch my uh, buddy scott miller owns that his son Jesse, they do a fantastic job. Great place to stay for a couple days in the cabins, hang out, relax, hang out at the clubhouse, have a few uh, beers, and then, uh, you know, a couple times a day, go out and shoot uh, skeet, go out and shoot uh, pheasant. It's just a really good time over there in the Palouse uh, out of Sprague. So if we have some yeah. interest, you guys want to go get some pheasants and watch the dogs work, or if you have dogs you want to put to work or get out there and let them train, um, let us know. Uh, message us up. We can certainly put those trips together over there at Miller Ranch. It's just an absolute great time. We we got to do that because that just that brings back that is going to bring back so many great memories uh, for me of hunting pheasant in South Dakota. Oh yeah. You know, on my brother's farm yep. and with all of his buddies. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, we got to do that. Yep, we will. All right, that is going to do it for us this week here. We covered a lot of ground here tonight, buddy. That's an understatement. We actually ran a little over an hour, but that's okay. Folks, stay tuned in, and we appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, do what you can do, man. Get out here through the weekend. Enjoy some of these fisheries. We still have great opportunity to enjoy. Tommy, you and I and the wives and the family, we're heading down to Iwako the next couple of days. We're going to be hanging out with the boys of the Iwako Tuna Club. Mm-hmm. They have their Iwako Tuna Club Invitational. $35,000 payout to the first place boat. Yeah, Largest payout of any Albacore tournament on the West Coast. This is going to be fantastic. We're going to stream live from down there, bring you folks along for the ride, kind of give you some insight as to what that event is all about. And we'll be down there hanging out selling our swag. We've got a trailer full of stuff and all these new logo items to sell. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be down, you know, Westport, Iwako, anywhere down there along the coast, swing up by the Iwako Tuna Club in the, um, the uh, Saturday uh, what do they call that? The market uh, out back there along the boardwalk. Yep. Yeah, they got the market yep. going there. We'll be set up with the trailer. Easy to find us. Come buy some swag, support our cause, and uh, we're just looking forward to a really good time. Yeah, stop on by and talk tuna, please. Stop by and talk tuna. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be dockside. I can't believe it. All these guys are going to be tuna fishing, and the least we could do is at least talk about tuna fishing, okay? Please help me. Yeah, please help. Please help Tommy at this time I need. All right. We are out of here. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys soon. See you next Thursday right here live in studio, 6 p.m., Fish on Northwest. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, Go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.